Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Welcome to the FT Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Murray Withers from the Comment and Analysis Desk of the Financial Times. In this podcast, Christian Oliver and Duncan Robinson analyse the thriving black market in firearms in Belgium and how it has made the country a centre for jihadi operations. Potential terrorists have also been able to exploit the country's fractured security services and its geographical position as a transit country, leading Nils Duque, an arms expert at the Flemish Peace Institute, to say, We had got a reputation. People knew Belgium was a place to buy guns. Now, Christian explains how an influx of weapons, most of them from the Balkans, helped Belgium become a centre for the illicit firearms market and what officials in the country are doing to crack down on the trade. When Ayub al Khazani stepped out of the toilet, on the high-speed Talis train from Amsterdam to Paris on August the 21st, he was bandishing a Kalashnikov rifle and a 9mm pistol. A bloodbath was only averted after several passengers, including off-duty US servicemen, wrestled him to the ground and clubbed him unconscious with the muzzle of his assault rifle. It came as little surprise that Mr. Hazani had boarded the train in Brussels. Belgium has become Europe's prime launchpad for attacks by jihadis and, according to many security experts, their favourite place to pick up guns smuggled in from the Balkans. Mr. Hazani's lawyer made it sound easy to acquire an AK-47 in the EU's capital. She said her client found his Kalashnikov by accident in a suitcase while sleeping rough in a park close to the Gare du Midi, known to commuters mainly as the Eurostar terminal in Brussels. She added Mr. Khazani only wanted to hold up the passengers, not murder them. While security experts dismiss the suitcase story, few doubt Mr. Khazani acquired his weapons in the Belgian capital. Last Friday's attacks in Paris, which killed 129 people, have turned the spotlight back onto Brussels and its deprived Molenbeek neighborhood as a center of operations for returning jihadi fighters looking to deploy the lethal skills they learned in Iraq and Syria. In per capita terms, Belgium has sent more nationals to the war zone than any other European country. After the attack, President François Hollande delivered an unusually scathing assessment of Belgium's role. These acts of war have been decided and planned in Syria. They have been organized in Belgium and perpetrated on our soil with French accomplices. Other European countries have radical mosques, active terror cells and disaffected unemployed young men who are easily recruited by jihadi groups such as ISIS. What Belgium adds to the mix, analysts say, is a long, troubled history of lax gun laws and a strong pedigree of gun manufacturing led by FN Herstal in the Wallonia region. This means that the country boasts an unusual number of people with technical and commercial expertise in guns. Niels Duquet, an arms expert at the Flemish Peace Institute, notes that until 2006, purchasers were often able to acquire guns across the counter simply by showing an ID card. The government only moved to tighten its rules after an 18-year-old skinhead called Hans van Tenske went on a racially motivated shooting spree in Antwerp that year, killing two people and injuring one. By that stage, however, a large pool of guns had already built up in Belgium. We'd got a reputation, says Mr. Duquet. People knew Belgium was a place to buy guns. Jihadis have capitalized on the combustible mix, 
Francois Molin, the Paris prosecutor, says the cars used in last week's attacks drove almost in convoy from Belgium, where they were hired. At least one of the cars carried Kalashnikov-type weapons, part of what he describes as a veritable arsenal. Belgian officials have not said whether they have evidence the guns were acquired in Brussels, but if so, it would fit a troubling pattern. In addition to Mr. Hazani's failed attack on the Paris-bound train, almost all of Europe's recent high-profile terrorist attacks have links to the Belgian arms market. In January, Metin Karasular, a resident of the southern city of Charleroi, who is under investigation for arms trafficking, turned himself into police after seeing pictures of the two suspects in the January plot in Paris that killed 17, including 11 at the offices of satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo. Mr. Karasalar has denied selling weapons to Amadi Koulibaly, the militant who stormed a kosher supermarket in the hours after the Charlie Hebdo assault, and insisted he merely helped someone buy a car that had belonged to Koulibaly's girlfriend. Mr. Karasalar's lawyer says his client voluntarily approached the police to avoid any misunderstanding as soon as he saw Koulibaly and his girlfriend identified on television. The girlfriend, Ayat Boumedin, is believed to have fled to Syria. In addition, security officials told the Financial Times that Mr. Hazani belonged to the same cell as Mehdi Nemouche, a French-Algerian who killed four people with Kalashnikov in an attack on the Jewish Museum of Belgium in Brussels last May. The officials added that this cell was also behind a gun battle in the provincial town of Verviers in January, where two jihadis were shot dead and one was injured. Those fighters, reportedly accomplices of Paris suspect Abdelhamid Abaoud, had accumulated a formidable stockpile of Kalashnikovs, handguns and bomb-making equipment and were planning attacks against Belgium's police, according to prosecutors in Brussels. Abaoud was killed in a raid on a property on Saint-Denis, the French government confirmed. Claude Moniquet, a former French spy and co-founder of the European Strategic Intelligence and Security Centre, said that there was mounting evidence that the Belgian gun trade, once focused on more pedestrian criminals, had begun to shift towards selling to jihadis. Mr Moniquet said the black market for firearms, including gun runners around Gare du Midi, has seen prices spike in line with increased risk of sales. Just a few years ago, an AK-47 with 300 to 400 rounds included could be acquired for about 400 euros. Now, Mr. Monique says, prices have risen to 1,000 to 2,000 euros. Trafficking arms to criminals is one thing. Terrorists is another, he says. While arms traffickers can receive sentences of two to three years, if you sell arms to a terrorist, you can expect 20. The flow of illegal guns into Belgium began in earnest in the 1990s, amid the Balkan Wars and the fall of the Soviet Union. Mr. Moniquet says a large Balkan community built up during those years, when guns circulate freely around the fragmenting Yugoslavia and former communist officials took to trafficking their state's vast and often mothballed munitions reserves. Mr. Moniquet estimates that 90% of the arms circulating in Belgium probably originate from the Balkans. You have mountains of Kalashnikovs in Bosnia, Serbia and Croatia, he says. When you take in people, you take in their luggage. Smuggling is a living tradition for these guys. Police in the Netherlands have complained that drug gangs have been increasingly using Kalashnikovs rather than handguns because of their ready availability in Belgium. While security experts argue that there is a large pool of guns in Belgium from the Balkan Wars, they note that an ant trade continues, with smugglers bringing small numbers of guns from southeastern Europe. Shortly before the Paris attacks, German authorities said they had stopped a car from Montenegro carrying eight AK-47s. Ivan Zverzhanovsky, head of the UN Southeastern and Eastern Europe Clearinghouse for the Control of Small Arms and Light Weapons, says many people in the region still like to keep guns at home. Some Montenegrins quip that a house is not a home without a gun. The number of unregistered firearms in Serbia is estimated to be much more than 200,000. It could be as high as 900,000.
driving north to sell these weapons can prove highly lucrative. We've increasingly seen a trend towards micro-trafficking since 2010, Mr. Zvezhanovsky adds. You can probably buy an AK-47 for around 300 euros in the Balkans. It's sometimes only small-time criminals who can then drive that weapon hidden in their car to Belgium or Sweden and sell it for around 4,000 euros. Once those guns are in Belgium, Mr. Duquet says one of the country's main weaknesses is simply geographical, as terrorists can easily switch between the jurisdictions of different security services to evade detection. This is not just Belgium's problem. That's an exaggeration, he says. There's a big arms trade in Paris, Marseille and Berlin, anywhere with high crime rates. But Belgium is a transit country. It is small and difficult for police to intervene. You can drive from France, drive in and out in an hour. It's hard for police to stop the deal, he says. In terms of the arms caches held by the jihadis, Belgian authorities find it difficult to penetrate poor neighbourhoods such as Molenbeek in Brussels, home to a large and often transient community of North African origin. Security officials say it is common practice for militant cells to use safe houses, where weapons are permanently ready for returning foreign fighters to use in an attack. Such pickups are quick and hard to intercept. Belgium's status as a smuggling hub grabbed headlines in July, when the police dismantled a major gun-running ring around Charlois and seized dozens of small arms. In a brazen plot, the smugglers had been faking the signature of the Minister-President of Wallonia on import documents to bring guns into the country. In the months after the bust in Charlois, Kuhn Heinz, the Justice Minister, announced that Belgium would take extra steps to bust the smuggling gangs. He pushed through a measure to reactivate the Committee for the Interdepartmental Coordination on Illegal Arms Transfers, which had largely been forgotten since 2003. Its restitution is meant to improve intelligence sharing between the departments of Belgium's often dysfunctional administration. Coordination is difficult for the authorities in Belgium, which is divided along linguistic lines and between regional and federal administrations. Brussels alone has six separate policing zones, hindering the sharing of information. Another politician from Mr. Haynes' party, Sonia Beck, is proposing measures to increase the use of phone tapping to tackle arms traffickers. One of Mr. Haynes' biggest concerns hinges on supposedly deactivated weapons from massive Soviet-era dumps. Technically, deactivated arms are only meant to be suitable for use as stage props or collector's items. But former Eastern Bloc countries have widely different standards on what deactivation means, and many of the weapons can easily be fixed to fire bullets again. In several countries, the stockpiles have been looted, most spectacularly in Albania, where more than 100,000 weapons are believed to have been stolen. Mr. Keynes stressed Belgium could only combat the arms traffickers as part of a far broader European effort on sharing intelligence. The Belgians acting alone, he says, could never be masters of the game. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.